You're listening to OK Now Listen, a bi-weekly show where we chat about what's on our minds, what we're binging, and what's blowing up our timelines. I'm Scotty Beam, media personality, content creator, and music enthusiast, and a wing connoisseur. And I'm Sylvia O'Bell, culture writer, host, producer, and lover of Beyonce. And ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in OK Now Listen history, Sylvia and I are recording in a studio together together oh. reunited and, and it feels so good cut the tape that's, that's, that's all we can afford that's all we can afford that is it don't come for us I think us. that was a little bit much I, cut the good unite you good no. <laughs> That's it. That's all you're going to get. I truly cannot believe it. But yes, we are here in the brand new Netflix studio. And you're here in Los Angeles. You love to see it. You love to see it. First of all, I love that apparently... Breaking news. Bum, 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 bum. We're the first podcast to record in the Netflix. Absolutely. Podcast making history studio. already. Making black women making history. Making history. Again. Our picture will be up on this wall. Please don't Think put I'm a white podcast and let them tell us that they were the first because you know that's what happens. No. <laughs> Trying to erase history. I see it don't already. Erase, don't erase this black history. Exactly. <laughs> But no, the studio was beautiful. It's like coming, like getting a new job in the pandemic and then going to the office for the first time. That's how this feels. It feels so good. We have not recorded a single episode of this podcast in the same room. We have not done this since the pilot. And I'm saying all this because I just really believe that in addition to how this L.A. sun has been hitting your skin and how you've been out here thriving this last week. I thought these are all reasons why Sky should move to L.A. At her on Twitter, if you agree. Um, because look at it. We're in the studio together. We was in Malibu. We we've in been Malibu. we've been doing la- end of summer things. We, yes. we was at all white parties. Yes, we was. I mean, haven't you been having a good time here? I have. <laughs> <laughs> I have been having a good time here, guys. Thankfully, I have amazing friends out here. Most of my friends are out here, I think. like At this point. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> It felt good to see y'all faces, to party with y'all, to talk to y'all, to, to yes, to, to actually be in the same room as y'all. Like it was very spiritual. It touched my heart. Of course, I had my anxieties. I had went on Instagram, you know, prior, like a, a day before coming out here, and I was like, I am stressing. Mm-hmm. You know, one because I don't like being away from my family. I have mm-hmm. a hard time separating myself from my family physically. Also, you know. With the ideas of what L.A. is supposed to be, I felt like I had to be a certain size. I had to, like, slim down. I had to do certain... Like, I was really putting myself through the fucking ringer, y'all. So, coming here, hanging out with my friends. It's been 13 days. It's been been two weeks? It's been 13 days. Wow. It's speeding by so fast. I need to slow down. (laughs) (laughs) So, so far, I am enjoying it very much. I am. And you are my neighbor. We we are literally, like, (laughs) next door to each other. Also, that was very important. I was like, I am not going anywhere if Sylvia is not close by. Walking distance, to be exact. Yes. I love it. We've never lived this close to each other in our whole friendship. Right. Even if it's only for a month. Yeah. So, I'm here for it. I love it. I love that you're here. And it's a great way to end the summer. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, as summer is coming to a close, and I do love that, like, after being in the house, in the house for so long and missing all of last summer, that we do get to have a bit of that together. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fun I love me. that, closing summer together. Um, and you know who else is closing out the summer? Oh, you know. Who you know who is getting us in our fields right in time for cuffing season is Mr. Certified Lover Boy himself, Drake. You know it. Aubrey you Graham. Released an album the day after you got here, actually, to be exact. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like he knew. Okay. As the certified Drake stan herself, no. what did you think? I dabbled in Drake a little bit. Ain't no dabble, nigga. You know everything about Drake. <laughs> I love Drake. So, because, like, I be in my feels and I'm a little hopeless romantic, and Drake is a toxic, hopeless romantic. He's toxic. <laughs> he's like, toxic. But he's, but he always singing, you know, he's always talking about relationships, women, situationships. The album is literally called Certified Lover Boy. But it's not. But that's what I'm saying. The I mean, album a, ain't Lover yeah, Boy I mean, shit. There's like, that's for yeah, sure. there's, no, there's no love ballads. He said, I remember that I told you I miss you. That was more like a mass text. Or who the fuck is he talking to in the fucking last song? That last track? Bitch, I said, is it Rihanna? He said, everybody's, you're unhappy and everybody knows it. Jesus Christ. Even your boyfriend looks off at the shows. I said, who the fuck is this nigga talking to? 
through like this. Yeah. Uh, or when he was like, I know you was mad. I know, imagine when your girls told you I was pregnant. And you was probably mad at me. You probably wanted to kill me. I know, I know. And he harmonizing the shit I like know. it's romantic. <laughs> it's, it's, like he said, it's toxic. But I love Drake. And, you know, I think that this album, I'm a Drake fan. The reason why I don't say Stan is because I can critique Drake. Like, I just heard people who are out here like, he don't miss. He don't take no left turns. He only make right turns. You know what I mean? Like, I think that this album to me was better than Scorpion. Because I will say I did not yes. like Scorpion that much. I mean, I just felt like Scorpion was too long. Mm-hmm. Certified Lover Boy, while, you know, he did trim, start trimming it down a bit, mm-hmm. I think he f- stuck to his formula and he did. He gave us a solid album. I don't think he went above and beyond like changed up his sound or like evolved in like a huge way but i think for those of us who love drake music you're getting drake music exactly. like it's the the factory album <laughs> like whatever and i for me somebody like me who does love drake music and i love 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 the song, the times when the production just slows down or comes in or switches up mid song or when he's just talking about things that probably aren't romantic but the way he's saying it sounds romantic so i'm <laughs> feeling it you know what i mean those are my moments like yeah. i love a drake intro like you know those memes mm-hmm. that they were putting out where it was like drake yeah and then, like, tears. That's right. me. Because mm-hmm. I love Drake intro track. So, Champagne Poetry. Yeah. Standout song for me. Love how he comes love in with sample. it. Love the sample. Love Shout the... Shout to Masego. Yes. And one of... I think it was one of the best beats on the album. Especially, like, that how it ends. Like, I love the... I love you. I love yeah. you. But I also love... Need... And Too Deep. I decided that In Too Deep is my favorite song on the album. You know, I said I love how it switches up mid-song. Mm-hmm. You get... You get the slow wine, mm-hmm. and then the beat comes in, it's a party. Future mm-hmm. comes in, and it's like, okay, we out, we mm-hmm. out. And so those are my favorite songs, and I think, you know, there's good songs throughout. What Do you, do you have any standouts for you? I got some standouts. You know, it's funny because you say you like the slow love mm-hmm. song, Drake. I like I'm That Nigga, Drake. Talk <laughs> shit, Drake. Y'all really was playing with me, and I'm still oh, here, here, Drake. Mm-hmm. So I've mm-hmm. always been a big fan of talk shit. Like I love when he talking shit because it makes people so upset, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm do down get so for mad. they get so mad. <laughs> so and I mad love how him. he turns the knife. He just keeps. I'm still here. Y'all said I wouldn't be here from the first mixtape, and look at me, still here, still number one, Drizzy Drake. I think from the Degrassi. The Billboard charts are just all him <laughs> this week. Fuck every song, right? So um, while listening to it, I did enjoy it. It's not my favorite. But album? It's, it's not my favorite album. Right, right, right. But uh, if you're reading this, is And I would say No Friends in the Industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, fair Trade with Travis Scott. Fair Trade's a good one. Sounds like a fair trade to me. It's <laughs> all I can afford. That right there, uh, Knife Talk. With Savage? With Savage and um, Project Pat. We cannot forget Project, Project Pat. Pat. Um, but yeah, I like those those. That's the type of time that Drake, you know, I just be like, y'all really be playing with my dog. And I hear y'all because he's so lovey-dovey and he's for the women and, you know, he, and he has the he formula. Gives so much he has the to the women. Yeah. But you know how that makes niggas upset it do. because they can't perform like how he performs. They mm-hmm. can't do what he does. That's why so he's constantly it makes, reminding right. them that I'm your girl's favorite right. rapper. <laughs> exactly. Right. And the fact that he can do both. I'm your nigga's favorite rapper and your girl's. So Try what's me. up? What's up? What's up? So you, you like, don't have to choose. You like talk shit, Drake. I like talk to me, nice Drake. <sighs> yes. <laughs> and I and love he it. gives us a little bit of both on this album. It's definitely not my oh, this is my new favorite Drake album, Mm-mm. but I do think that it's probably the best he's given us since Views mm-hmm. for me. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I feel about it the way I felt about Views. Views really aged well for me. So I'm I think sometimes there's Drake songs where I'm like, like at first I hear and I'm like, ah. And then, like, time will go by, or I'll hear it out in the club, like how we heard Way Too Sexy out at the all-white party, yeah. at the Shout R&B party. Shout out to his work husband, Future. Yes, and it's like, when that beat when it dropped, dropped, let me tell y'all something. Don't say Certified Lover Boy don't got no hits. A lot of times, Drake just knows me better than I know myself, and I've accepted that. And that's why I don't argue with people about Drake no more. Like, I, the same way I stopped arguing with people about Beyonce. It's like, I'm not Jesus. I can't make the blind see. You can say a lot about Drake, Whatever, whatever. But what you can't say is that he doesn't know how to create viral moments. Yes. Because he always excites the conversation around music. The anticipation for this album was ridiculous. It was like all the time I was talking about for weeks beforehand. And the cover alone, 
has memes coming out less than 24 hours after it was revealed. Like, I am not a fan of the cover, but, like, it instantly took over. Like, I don't think there's anybody who's listening to this podcast who hasn't seen it, but it's all pregnant emojis in different Mm -hmm. races. I see that he made a point to make sure there was more black pregnant emojis than not. You know I counted. (laughs) I was like, I'm looking for a spectrum of color shades here, and he did give that. But the memes that came after, it's like he knew. He was like, you know what? Instead of going for high art, I'm going to go for low art, but it's going to be the internet crazy. Like, I mean, he always went for low art because the meme (laughs) shit is crazy. Yes. Like, I first of all, Drake was birthed in that blog era. He, he was. Like, internet made this n- mm-hmm. nigga, right? And mm-hmm. for him, he always has been in control of his narrative. Yeah. He always knew what was happening with the memes. Remember when he did uh, Views and he mm-hmm. was sitting on that thing and then he came out with that meme uh, gem- generator? The, the yes, album and you generator. could put yourself on You could on put them. Drake anywhere on you or anywhere yes, in your picture. Yes, a little corny perfect. Being ahead of the shit. Hotline Bling in itself, that Hotline video Bling. was a huge joke meme. Right. Like, we memed that thing for the whole year. Right. He, he knows it. that, you know... People will make a mockery, and he is going to have to figure out how to be in control of that. And I love that. Mm -hmm. And that's why he will always remain relevant. Like, it's never... For me, Drake is never too much. It's never been too much. I love all the brands that went for it with it. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Trojan, though. They won. Because when (laughs) Trojan made all the pregnant emojis not pregnant, Mm -hmm. that was my favorite of all Mm -hmm. the ones I saw. I thought it was hilarious. He owns the viral. He owns the viralness, and I am down for it. You know that video when he says, look around. Look around. You see this? We created this. We created all this shit. It's him. It's true. It's true. He didn't lie. He, he never lied. He's lie. like, you look at this. Look at this. You see this? You right. see this? I did this. I did all I of this. I made this. So the king of memes. I really, I, I, I give it down. I give it all to him. You know, speaking mm. of going viral, though. Mm. Speaking of viral. Speaking of it. <sighs> Sylvia said, girl. She called me up. She said, girl. <laughs> <laughs> she said, girl. Have you been watching this new Netflix series called Clickbait? I said, no, not yet. I see people talking about it. I said, get to it. And she said, get to it, girl. And I went through it and got to it. Sylvia, we got a lot to talk about, sis. Oh, I know you do. And I need to talk about the power that going viral has because we've seen the best and the worst of what it can bring. Mm -hmm. And it's time to dive deeper into this as well. So let's have this conversation. Please, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so spoiler alert, before we get into the plot of clickbait, we want to let you know to click out now if you haven't seen it because we get into it. Okay, so clickbait is a series about a family man, Nick Brewer, that gets abducted in a crime with an online twist and those closest to him have to race to uncover who was behind it and why. So the show premise is crazy because it literally starts with the main character, getting kidnapped essentially and the family finds out because he's on like this youtube type platform the kidnappers have put it up on streaming for and it's like if it gets to five million views they say they're gonna kill him Mm -hmm. so before we get into the craziness of trying to figure out who the killer is can we just talk about that for a second because what was frustrating to me was that like the family kept (laughs) pia specifically kept watching the YouTube video. I'm like, do you want him to die? Pia wanted that nigga gone. <laughs> I was like, do you realize that every time you watch this video, the views are going, I feel like Pia is responsible for a million out of them five million views. <laughs> the fact that she didn't even keep, like, you could you could have dragged that little thing, that little dot to the front. Refresh. And, right. You be refreshing <laughs> the shit watch out of the she, page. Watch on her laptop, her cell phone, her iPad. Telling other people to watch it. Hey, check this out. Did you see out. this? Did you see this? You? I said, do you understand yeah. how this this work, sis. Pia you... wanted her brother gone. I said, I know y'all got in that argument, girl, but do you understand this is not how it's the opposite? But it was a very sinister twist to make going viral. Like, it's like making everybody a co-conspirator in this murder in a weird, like, psychological way where it's like, it shows that people can't help. I felt like it was trying to illustrate something about how we can't help ourselves. You can't help but watch. Yeah. Like, you can't, can't help but away. watch. Even if you know that you watching is going to contribute to the end of somebody's the life. of someone You else. can't stop. That thing reached 5 million views mm-hmm. the first day it was yeah. up. Yep. And what's sad about it is I don't feel like that's so fictional. Like, I feel like if that was to yeah. happen in real life, it would be the same thing, and that's crazy. Absolutely. 100%. Black Mirror. 
every there are so many different. I, first of all, we see it with like like this 10,000 times and I'm mm. going to do this. Yes. You know, we see it on Instagram, we see it on Twitter. So we're not that far removed from this happening. No. I do believe that this can happen. Yeah. So yes, that's the sick thing about it that people can't look away ever. Somebody could have recorded it and sent it somewhere else and watched it there instead of watching it as Screen recorded. There's so many ways. Thing. Screen recorded. Right. Send and a send screen it. recording. I, I said, Nick, I said, Nick baby, I feel like a day your family hates you. I don't know how to call it because these niggas won't stop watching. Exactly. <laughs> so that's that. Another thing I have to do is I need to publicly apologize mm. to all the cast members <laughs> um, that, you accused? that I have cursed out. And accused and said, good for you, and I hate you, and that's why you did it. Um, I have blamed everybody, including <laughs> Pia's leather jacket. <laughs> I have I have literally, <laughs> I have blamed everyone. There's no one that went I definitely stayed. blame Pia's haircut, Esther. Every- <laughs> the, the bangs, everything. It was your fault. Somebody got mad because it's like your sister's haircut in the club, and they said he got to go. Like, <laughs> this is unacceptable. If I see this leather jacket one well, more time, t- I'm throwing him up. I said, where they at? California, right? I don't know. They was in Oakland. Yes, they were in Oakland because then the crazy. Oh, Oakland, yeah. And I was like, I know it's a little chillier up north. <laughs> she ain't have another jacket, a sweater, she be a running, poncho. She's over here running around mysteries, <laughs> trying to solve mysteries like a member of Scooby-Doo's gang. My girl didn't shower now one time. She was taking care of business. You hear me? She thought no. she was a cop. Pia was annoyed, and I have to just say about the whole series, never in my life have mm. I yelled at my TV like this. You might as well have called every character <laughs> Tiffany on America's Next Time Model, because I was Tyra, bitch. We were rooting for all of you, and you all failed us in multiple ways. Each focus in episode, even if I knew that person wasn't the killer, I said, damn, you could have gone about this a lot better. Yeah. The only person on the cast I fuck with 100% is... Sophie's mama. Oh, Sophie's girl. black mama? When she took a hose, she said, get to the press. She don't play about her daughter. <laughs> you hear me? And I fuck with that. I love I fuck the with authentic. That. Like, that was so authentic. Because <laughs> it was. Because she was not about the shit. She said, I'm not no. here for all the bullshit. I will yell at Nick Brewer's mom, even though he just lost, she just lost her, her son. son. And we know, white lady, you are sad about I, it. I know. But you got one more time <laughs> to, to, to sub-call my, my daughter time. a nigga without calling her a nigga. Like, even with Pia. I said, yes. Pia had a whole lot of energy for Sophie when she thought, when Sophie, it was revealed that Sophie had cheated. Mm-hmm. But when Nick had cheated, suddenly it was, how do we know? Okay. Well, it does also, seem. I touched tones. I too was also, I also <laughs> yelled at um Sophie a few times. I was like, bitch, what's wrong with you? Right. Why would you do this? One, I thought, you know, I was like, damn, this is this is gonna go the way it's gonna go. Like he, it was a passion thing, and there might be something under it. But then when I found out Nick Nick was cheating, I thought Nick was cheating. I was like, Nick, you gotta go. Oh when, well, when, I don't feel bad. <laughs> I'm over here trying to describe how I feel about the reveal because I feel like the creators of this show took us on a journey where they purposely wanted to make us think it was everybody before being like, surprise! Let me just sprinkle it on the end. Here's who it is. Make you hate like, every I think cast like for member. the average person, if you're not Detective Beam, you <laughs> are probably like when the when the killer is finally revealed, you're like, what? <laughs> because it's like we didn't even get the, the killer didn't even get their own actual episode ever really until the end like uh, uh, uh. it wasn't any of the people who they spotlighted mm-hmm. it wasn't like any of the mistresses it was I, I just knew it was Matt I'm gonna say point. they led they led everybody to Matt they led us to Matt only to be like psychist the old white woman behind behind Matt mm-hmm. in the desk and, and then you're like it. how the hell is it this old woman who was at the desk And but it's so sick because it was like I think for me, the only thing I appreciated about the reveal, even though I felt like they could have left more breadcrumbs to make it a bit more satisfying, Mm -hmm. I do think that it was such a, like, it went back to the basis of the internet and how it's dangerous. Because essentially, Mm -hmm. this old white woman was so bored in her life that she decided to catfish as Nick. And that shit got Nick kidnapped. Because she was bored and wanted to pretend to be somebody she wasn't. Mm -hmm. And it makes you wonder how many times people who are catfished end up, obviously not in this scenario, but end up hurt or like accused or whatever because somebody sick pretended to be them. Tons. Like that is like something to fully think about where I'm like, yo, like 
people are really just out. Like, people think catfishing is all harmless and shit. It's not. It's not. And poor little Nick then got kidnapped. Had us thinking. I called Nick every name in the book. Oh, child. Because I'm so I just, sorry, I Nick. was like, Nick, Nick, I owe you. You ain't deserve You it. ain't deserve the things I called you. I really was calling I you out your really name. I really called you out, y'all. Everything for the child of God. Because I was. Because I, I said, how dare you? Right. And all this time, you really were a good dad after all. My bad, homie. Yeah. But what you also were were dumb. Because why the fuck? I knew she was going to go with that. Would you go to the person's house? You get free. You get free from a kidnapper. That in itself doesn't happen. You get free. And instead of calling your wife, calling your kids, hell, call Pia if you got to. Instead, you go to the woman's house who you know was catfishing you. He was very he was very emotional during that time because about his father. His father had also committed suicide. So when that whole thing went down, I guess something had triggered and he was like, I need to figure this out immediately. And that's when he's like, I swear, I swear, I'll get Call it. I'll find out. Some send a text. I know you ain't got no phone, right. but like go home first. Be like, and then I'ma go with the cops to the person whose house because he said, I only told one person about my wife's affair. Right. So he knew instantly who, right. it was. who it was. Go home first. Right. Get some backup. But you know what? That's where Kai dumbass get it from. Because Kai, I love Kai. Kai has heart, right? I, I ain't gonna take that. Heart. Kai got heart, but Kai is make, is as bad as decisions as his father. But better ones because he escaped. You know what I'm saying? Barely. Like, he escaped because the cops were there. Well, because his mama brought the cops. No, but to he him. escaped out of that damn whatever that little uh how, that oh little the trailer trailer he was the- right. He ran. He knew he was younger than these old people. He yeah. could outrun them. But yeah, and still. So here's the thing, Kai. Yes, he got smart when he hopped out the thing. But Kai, you got to the house. Your mama text you, told you not to go in. Your brother told you to come home. Everybody said no. And you said, nah, I'm going to go to a murderer's house with a bat. He didn't know who was going to be behind that door. You only one person. It could be a gang of people behind that door. He you wasn't know. thinking it through. He's then you sit down and you eat, you, then you eat the food like you haven't read every fairy tale book that they teach you in school. Yeah, that was nuts. That was done. And then you get in the car with them and let them take you home. Kyle wore me out in the last hour. I understood. So, but yes. I can't a, believe them all white. I was like, wow. All white woman's responsible. Oh, right. And like you, like you mentioned earlier, what's scary about the series for me is that I feel like something like this can actually really happen. Look, like folks will tune in mm-hmm. to see what's going to happen, even though that's exactly what they shouldn't do because mm-hmm. that's how viral culture is now. You just can't look away from it. That's sad, but it's very true. So, okay, let's explore viral culture a little bit. Because first, we should define it. Mm. Right? How do you define going viral? Because for me, I think, I feel like the simple way to describe going viral is more so, I feel like I've gone viral when I know it's gone beyond my bubble of followers. My audience. Like, thousands of people who I don't know, who don't follow me in any way, are sharing my content. Like, when it surpasses the bubble for me how about you uh viral media is much like a viral infection (laughs) like it's something that spreads rapidly through a population by being frequently shared with a number of individuals with the possibility of harming you and others Mm. so it's much okay bring it down professor it's much like a viral (laughs) infection but that's what that is for me you know i don't have a specific number yeah, I don't know what qualifies as viral anymore. I think the more viral you go, the more the number has to go bigger. I remember, I'm sure there was a time, probably the first time either of us ever broke into over 100 shares in anything. It probably felt like, whoa. Whoa, that was big. And then, right. and then I remember the first time I broke into 1,000. And I'm like, whoa. Right. And then it's like, and then like now you're like, oh, a thousand, whatever. You know, it's like, it's kind of like, it's like you, it's, I feel like it's really based on the person and your audience level. Right. That's why I kind of say like, I think there's, I think everybody who goes viral knows that there's a moment where it's like it starts out with everybody liking or agreeing with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And then when it reaches the people who just because that many people like it mm-hmm. and want to argue against it or say mm-hmm. something against it. Mm-hmm. To me, when I break that ceiling, that's mm-hmm. when I'm like, oh, I've gone viral. Time right. to mute. Right. <laughs> Do you remember when you first gone viral? Ooh, my first time going viral. I don't I can't say I remember like the first tweet or funny like one off. Thing, but I remember the first time I went viral for work I've done. And that was the Black China story where I wrote right. about how she beat the Kardashians at their own game. That was the first time I ever 
tweeted out um, mm-hmm. a story and it literally went viral as if it was just a tweet or a joke because I was used to like, oh, 185 characters going viral, but like a 4,000 word essay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Breaking, and then also it broke a million views, not only not only a million tweets or whatever, but also a million views on the BuzzFeed website. It was like my work went viral and I felt like that was such a different experience than maybe just like a tweet or a photo. Mm-hmm. But it, So that's why I think it stuck with me. I was nervous, too. I was really nervous because there's a lot of people who love the Kardashians, and I didn't know how people were going to feel about me talking about how Black China had beat them, essentially, in this moment. I think also the thing about going viral is I never guess it. Like, I always think it's, like, there's times where I think, oh, this might go viral, and it doesn't. And there's times where I never think something's going to go viral, and it does. Mm -hmm. Like, when that Black China story went out, I remember my my manager saying, are you ready for this? And I'm like, ready for what? Like, I didn't think it was going to go viral. And then, like, I go for lunch, I come back. And I'm like, oh, my God, what? <laughs> like, I just did not know it was going to go viral. But everybody loved it. And I think for me, it was one of the few examples of positively going viral because I hadn't written long form in a long time at that point. And I think it showed me that, like, even though my version of long form writing wasn't, like, as academic or as, like, political or whatever else, mm-hmm. that it still had the ability to gain attention and for people to connect to it and that my voice was able for people to connect to it in that sense. It kind of gave that initial affirmation that it's like, oh, okay, good to know because I had to fight for a lot of these lines and things and I didn't know how it was going to be received so it felt very validating for me. Wow. And what was the negative about it? I think for me... The first time I realized the negative impact of going viral for your work was a different story. Mm. Well, essentially, my desk, the entertainment desk, was tasked with finding different angles for the one-year anniversary of Weinstein's arrest. Right. So different angles of the Me Too segment. I knew everybody was covering different stuff. So I decided to talk about hip-hop and how, and the music industry in general, R&B too, about how it's permeated a lot of the other sectors of Hollywood, but not music. And why I felt like music was going to be the hardest for it, too. And it was really interesting because up until that point, I felt like I had very much a lot of my writing was, you know, I was used to white people being upset or racists being upset or like, you know, Trump supporters being upset. But this is the first time I critically took a look at us as a black community. And it was the first time I like men, black men specifically, showed me how much they are not trying to look at themselves in that way or question or be held accountable for how they treat black women. Mm -hmm. Like, instead of seeing it as a story about, look at this industry that hurts black women the most out of all of them. Like, Mm -hmm. this is what's hurting black women the most. Mm -hmm. They're looking at it like, but this is black men the most, so let's care more about the black men hurting Mm -hmm. the black women than the black women themselves. And it was such a a sad moment for me because I don't think up until that point, because this would have been like maybe 2017, or, yeah, I didn't think up until that point, I didn't realize how misogynistic or how deep rape culture mm, had mm. really put its fangs in our generation. Like, mm, I thought it was, mm. like, an older generation problem. But I'm like, wow, no. Men, y'all really hate us. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> like, I'm sitting here explaining to Especially you. Especially with hip-hop. How women. The greatest embarrassment. We're happening to women. Biggest. And you're, all you can see is, Nah, he made Illmatic, so <laughs> can't talk about him. Right. Or, oh, nah, he made, I love to, you know, uh, step in the name of love. So, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, that matters to more to me than this. Mm-hmm. And, like, it also just showed me how people don't read stories. They just read the tweet or the headline. Yep. Because in the story, I explain why it's a sensitive topic. Mm-hmm. I explain how it was used, you know, by white women and white the white community to victimize black men at a certain point in time. But I also then pivot to like, but this we're not talking about white women here mm-hmm. kind of a thing. But nobody, re- you know. But, you know, you want to hide something from some people, <laughs> put it in a book. <laughs> And and that and they refuse to do that. Even with Instagram captions, they don't even read Instagram <laughs> captions. They go for just what they see on Instagram picture or video, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. It's just it's so embarrassing. I remember when you posted that story, and I said, "Okay, <laughs> you knew." Yeah, because I read it, and I loved it. But I was like, should I share it? Because I didn't know if you wanted me to mm. share it, especially to the type to of people who, people follow, who follow me, unfortunately. It's a lot of men, too. So yeah. I was like, I don't know if she wants me to share this because how vile 
these I have men get. Never been talked to like that yeah. in my life. Yeah, the way like yep. I'm used to. I was used to white men saying they want to come find me, uh-huh. lynch me, uh-huh. kill me, uh-huh. hurt me, rape me. Mm-mm. Ironically, all of that. But I was not. It, it hurt more when it was like absolutely my brothers. Yeah. like y'all are name brothers. Name exactly is what you realize. It's also like, but brothers. you guys know what it's like to be oppressed. Mm-hmm. I understand why white men are confused. They don't know what it's like to be oppressed mm-hmm. like that. But you do. But you can't see past your own oppression, and that's Mm-mm. a privilege in itself. Yeah, that's the male privilege we talk about. Mm-hmm. And like when you know men who are certain allies in certain ways or men who follow me and support me, like um, DeRay, who has a huge activist following. I mean, yeah. a lot of white people who just love to hate DeRay followed him, but he retweeted yeah. me. I was like, oh, hell. Mm-hmm. When Elliot <laughs> retweeted me, I was Elliot. like, oh, oh hell. God. You know what I mean? Or whatever else, because I knew that hip-hop community don't play about they people. They don't yeah. care if you watch them shoot somebody in the street that day. They don't want to talk about it. Nope. So it was very, it was just very sad and eye-opening to me. And I think... That was when I saw the dark side of going viral. I definitely like logged off that weekend. Luckily, it was homecoming weekend. It was in the middle of Jiho. So I was like, you know what? Put, the phone, put the phone down. Pick the crown royal up and called it a day. Also, Didn't this think twice shall about pass. It. It, will, it, will it goes by so fast. So fast. And, and to me, those are the moments where it's worth it, though. Right. Like, I never felt like it wasn't worth it. It needed to be said. Right. We need those. And people were citing, people cite that story today. People right. cite that story when um, On the Record came out with Drew Dixon and their story or whatever exactly. else. Like, it's a resource. It's exactly. research done. It needs to be in the lexicon of what we talk about on digitally so it happens but I know you go viral so much that you probably can't remember (laughs) the first time you went viral viral. but do you have what's the time that you remember going viral for a positive reason I had to really think deeply about this because we talked about it during our prep and I was like I have to really try to think of the first time or the or I guess my favorite time going viral and I think that is something I mentally block. Mm. Viral is cool. Yes. It has its very cool moments. But I also know the darkness that comes with it. And I have experienced the darkness that come with it. It's something I push to the back of my mind because, you know, you can become prisoner to these moments. For sure. And... I just don't subscribe to that. I try not to because I've watched people become prisoner to these moments and uh, lose their dignity, lose Mm. integrity, Mm. lose it all because they just want to go viral again. They want to recreate that moment again. Selling their souls. Selling it, child. It's on the corner for free 99. And it's it's just, it's something I, I just... I can't do. So wait, so I, I feel like, and speaking of that too, like I think this goes hand in hand. I feel like there's probably a lot of people who are surprised that like when you go viral for being beautiful or for being like everybody's biggest like crush or for being like such an advocate for music or like, you know, I'm thinking about the tweets or whatever mm-hmm. when you go for being an advocate for black women or mm-hmm. when black women are like, Sky's vulnerability is what carries me through when you mm-hmm. go viral in those moments. That's, a, that's, a, that's do you, amazing. Do you, do they don't stick with you? They, the words stick with me, what people say to me. Okay. Uh, the viral part doesn't really stick with me. It's the fact that people respond to me. Just like when we do this podcast and the responses that we get, the stories that we get, that's what sticks the most to me. I make sure that I keep those moments because I don't ever want to lose touch of why we're doing this. Mm. You know, viral media will make you lose touch with yourself. A lot of the viral moments that I have, it's because I was myself and it was the things that I stand and protect. So. Right, I stick beside them. Even if it's my bikini pictures, even if it's <laughs> I my, stick beside I stick beside it. it. I don't uh, look, and you know, so it's the responses that I really do enjoy that I love to keep close to my heart because the viral part of it will make you want the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, what do they say? It's like if you live off a man's compliments, you'll die from his criticism. Ooh. So I Ooh. know that I can't. I can't allow that to control my life. I can't allow that to be my compass for what my journey is or what my career looks like. Mm. Although, like, it's really cool, again, but that's how you lose the audience that you gain. Mm. Trying to make some another side happy. Exactly. Trying to make the other side happy or the people who aren't looking. Mm. Focus on your audience and what they want from you. Yes. That is a word because too many people are too busy focusing on 
the people who more eyes, more the eyes, more or like eyes that the people who looking. hate, who are never really gonna love you in the first place, exactly. Who are never really gonna give you what you're looking exactly. for, who are always gonna be critical of you. You just want to please them. And that's a lot of them pick me's. A lot of these women who I see talking about, like, oh yeah, you know, let's hear Tory Lanez out, girl. That man, I don't care how many times you support, they're not gonna be there for you when it's you. They're not. <laughs> it's gonna be us, girl. the girls you're talking to, that are gonna be like, all right, let's go help her out, sis, out because the guys that she thought would catch her when they fall won't. Won't. You know? Exactly. So that's exactly what I try to remind myself of every single time. You know, you try to emulate this, what people want from you and what the people who aren't looking at you want from you. And it's like, oh, I got to do these things to get more, to gain more followers, to gain, you know, the uh, retweets, the the things that people want to see. No, just focus on what exactly your story and your mission is. Why can't you do that? I don't get that. I don't understand that. So um, you're driving your audience further and further away from the light when you do that. And yourself from the light when you yeah, do that. Yeah, it's not worth the trade. So, yeah. It's and That's not a fair trade to me. It's not. <laughs> it's not It's not a fair trade to, to circle me. circle back around. Circle back, back, Drake. You saw that reference? You saw what I did there? Exactly. But I had my negative moment. I was going to ask because I will say teachable. that you have Jesus. more... I will say because I think you're more outspoken than me and I'm getting better at it, but you've definitely had more negative viral moments than I've had to experience. Yeah. And I always wonder, I think I want to ask you, like, what was one that sticks out to you? And then also, how do you mentally cope mm-hmm. and deal with those moments to keep the fortitude to keep going and not let it drive you off the internet? If I could retweet everything that you said about your negative moment, mm. that would be it. It was when I had spoke on State of the Culture, about rape. And um, I I knew that there were going to be people who weren't against R. R. Kelly or weren't against uh, Bill Cosby. But I didn't know to this magnitude. I, I had no know. idea. You didn't know? He was trying to buy NBC, girl. I had no idea that these this many black men mm, mm. hated, like hated <laughs> black women. Especially behind like, his, behind the man that told them to pull their pants up and stop listening to hip hop. That Bill Cosby. Right, I was overwhelmed. Girl. And it was the biggest heartbreak to me to for me to realize this is the reality that I'm living in. And because I have been so far removed from the audience outside mm-hmm. of the, the people who make of, right, magic. Right. <laughs> that I was like, oh, this is the real world? This is what I'm dealing with? This is for real? Like, I kept saying to them, I was like, this is for real. Like, people were wishing death, of course, wishing that I was raped, wishing that, just wishing, hoping on a star that some harm would be done to me. Every single day I would get so many responses. So it was a very teachable moment because it made me open my eyes to understanding that there is a place outside of my audience which I don't want to be part Ooh, of. Right. Scary Ever. hours. Scary Ever. quarters of the internet. But it did open my eyes to know that this exists and what we're fighting against. Because I think that the positive side is like, well, if it's hard to find one, but it's like, oh, this is why these conversations still have to happen. Yeah. I think for, for a moment I thought to myself, like, oh, we all know that rape is wrong. Exactly. Right? Exactly. We know that. I thought that was a safe assumption exactly. to make exactly. about, you know, just life. But apparently not. And honestly, the irony of wishing rape upon people whilst claiming that people don't rape people is just... Right. Especially me. In that conversation, I had opened up about me being sexually harmed, right? So that was... And people were like, good for you. I I hoped he went further. I wish he went further. I wish he, you know, certain things like that. So it was like, damn. That's nuts. But it is any time that I open my mouth about black women to protect black women, it was always a struggle. It was always a problem. And it always went viral. It always. So that for me, I was like, okay, we have, we got some fighting to do. We do. And so that's what I think the biggest teachable moment was for me. I was like, okay, I need to open my mouth more. Clearly. Yeah. People need to talk more about these situations because... This is not okay. And these are the people that are harming women mm-hmm. and harming so many black women with their words, with being physical, emotions, everything. Yeah. They are harming the shit out of black women. So that was a big teachable moment for me. I, 
I was like, damn, it does make you want to never talk again. But um, I knew the bigger picture was I was doing something that needed to be done. And it will be done again. And I will stick to what the fuck I say every fucking time I speak. I know that's right. 100%. Not gonna let it scare scare you. Ain't off the no way. What what uh Venus? What Venus will you say? What <laughs> so she come, said? come for me if you want to, but you won't come again. You will not come again from sweetheart. my from my cosmopolitan cover story featuring Venus Williams out Hello. on stands in October. Hello. <laughs> plug, 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 plug. But <laughs> but she that's what she said. Listen, there comes a time in your life where you realize that you don't have to tolerate disrespect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, I was like, a word. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, obviously the Williams sisters, my God, I can only imagine the things and the names they've gotten called over the years. Which but is like, why. Which is why it's like, there's a mental fortitude that you have to have mm-hmm. to be in this. Like, to be in this. Like, I think a lot of people are like, I wish I had 100,000 followers on Twitter or over 100,000 followers on Instagram. And yes, there's perks to that, and we'll talk about that in a second, but... It's hard. It is a, the internet is a very dark, scary place. And anybody who's gone viral knows that shit is not fun. After a certain point, it's yeah. not fun. Like, if you get your key keys in your lap, there's a reason why anytime I see my a tweet or anything go over a certain amount, I mute. Yep. I mute the conversation. Y'all yep. be arguing by yourselves. I hope you know. Because yep. I don't even I don't even see it half the time because mm-hmm. it's just not fun. Mm-hmm. But it also is why it's so confusing to me while people force going viral. Can we for a second talk about, like, it's to me the darkest when somebody dies, a celebrity dies, and then we see TMZ wants to be the first one to get a story out. Um, Somebody somebody on Twitter wants to be the first one to say something thoughtful so it could get clicks. Yes. Somebody wants to be the first one to share these photos. Like, oh, what's the angle? Yes. How can I capitalize and build my following off of grief? Right. And it's like, what? Right. And then do understand that when you do that, people are only looking at you to... Give them these this news that you only probably gave once. Once, like now right? that that's what you want to be. Right. That's, that's the role you, you want to so play on the who, internet. This is who you'll play now. Now and then, like, how many person. people can you really care that deeply about before it starts to look like, oh, you just putting on? You chase ambulances, or you're chasing clout because that's the other that's side nuts. of it. There's people who are on on the other side of it, chasing clout. Try and want to get all these clicks and views and followers because they want to feel popular. Right. Like in Clickbait, when the reporter was like, I was the first to report. That fucking reporter. This made the us boundary. All, that's the kind. That's the kind. They make us look bad as a people. And you know, I was mad at that episode. Uh-huh. I said, these are the journalists that give us a bad name. But yes, there's a lot of re- people out there who are just. Trauma yeah. porn. Trauma porn. Like, just all about it. In and in, into it. It's really dark. There is a dark place in the internet that I haven't gone to yet. Like, dark, dark. You know, there's mm. like the dark web. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't even that, I don't, I don't even it's know like in the Lion much King about where that. It's like, you see those hills, those shadows over there? Don't go <laughs> That's there. That's it. me. I do not touch <laughs> that. I don't go there. I do not touch <laughs> that. But the, the forced viral shit makes you look so desperate. And I hope you know that whoever is listening to this feeling like they have to do or say whatever they need to say to go viral. The shit that you say about Issa Rae, about her not being that cute or whatever it is, because you want people to respond to you. Or you just want to get like right on the coattails of hate. Right. That's that's where you want to reside. That's that's where that's the neighborhood you want to live in. Why is it that you want to reside in this area? What is it that you hate about yourself? Get therapy, child, because that's the work that needs to be done. It is. And the fact that you're going to have to put that mask on every single fucking day and do this hate shit every single day will get to you. You will live shorter. I'm telling you. It's always like somebody in somebody's basement who has a miserable life and just wants to make everybody else miserable or something like that, too, a lot of times. But it's like, it's not the move. But I think the, the forced going viral that is the saddest to me or makes me feel the most because we care about black women the most are like the ones when I see, I think this probably happens more on Instagram, but people feeling like they have to do certain posts or show parts of themselves or like do whatever to get attention. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I love the body positivity movement. I am here for, you can tell the difference when a woman is posting Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. herself, Mm -hmm. right? And like Mm -hmm. for, because she wants to, you know, I look good and I've worked hard for this or I'm not going to be ashamed of what people tell me not to be whatever for. But it's like, I also want women to know that like just because you didn't get 2,000 likes on your picture does not mean you're not pretty God, you know what I mean just because you got it does not mean you have to take up another item of clothing if that's the only reason why you're doing it like please right. know that these likes do not equate to 
your self-worth. Like, that's the darkest part about going viral for me is how much it has made people start to question their self-worth. Like, oh, I'm not pretty enough. Oh, my body's not nice enough because this person got this many likes and I didn't get this many likes. So something's wrong with, with me. me. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, no. They think that that's the mirror, right? Where I know a lot of people who started out showing their body not for the reasons that you said previously. Mm-hmm. And they continue to do it. They they got a lot of response. They got the good responses. And mm-hmm. then they continue to post more body pics. Mm-hmm. And they're not getting as many. Mm-hmm. So they feel like, oh, people are tired of seeing my body. Mm-hmm. What was the reason why you started doing it in the first place? Was it for these likes? Was or it was for it the for, likes? Yeah. Or was it for the body positivity? Was it for, you know, you. yourself? You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I want people to understand, before pressing that post button, mm. you have to check in with yourself and say... Now, am I doing this because I want a lot of likes? Or are you posting this picture because you just want to? Mm. There are pictures that I post of myself and all of random things. And people have told me time and time again, it doesn't fit the aesthetic of your Instagram. Mm. It doesn't, you know, you have to go in this direction. I thought that you was going. It's not. I don't have a direction of a social media platform. Right. I do not. <laughs> I got here without one. Right. I'm good. You know, so I'm still going to post what I want. I'll post a random album photo. I'll post about my plat- my um, playlist. I'll post a random uh, TikTok that I have did with my brothers and his friends mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Ate like those kids up for no reason. Ate them That's up, honey. Bar. Go and check it out. It's <laughs> yeah. in my reel. Ain't reels. no reason she had to do that to them kids. Okay. But- <laughs> <laughs> I've been practicing that dance <laughs> for tell. weeks. The focus was in your eyes. It was in your eyes. But you got to remember <laughs> that this is your platform. Yeah. What you want people to see, right, and know about you. That is it. Not what you want people to like about you, what you want people to love about you. No, I don't give a fuck what you like or love about me or hate about me. What you will know is me or get to know is me. And this is who I am. Now, you can unfollow. You can unfollow. You can unfollow. There is an unfollow button that is provided at the top. We didn't, okay. <laughs> immediately right but i just want people to know that you have to do that self-work because it will tear you to fuck up i'm not saying i didn't go through that at one point where i was like damn they don't like when i'm talking about you know black issues mm. you know mm. when i'm talking about black women oh i remember somebody was like hey can you talk more about music because you know this black woman shit is tiring and, and I'm like, oh, okay. child. That, that's the other part that followers and audiences need to realize. I think um, social media has given people a lot of feeling like they own people or that they like people oh, owe them stuff. Please, please, and that please, is please, not please. the case, baby. Please. Just because somebody goes viral and you follow them for that reason does not mean please. they owe you a thing please. about it. That is not your page. That is their page. That's not your body. That is their body. <laughs> that is like, it is not. They don't owe you nothing. How do you feel? How, like the sense of ownership so t- and enti- an entitlement. It's the entitlement. And oh even on the God. smallest ways, like you post a couple things, you tag a sunglass, a hairstylist. Suddenly everybody feels like it is your responsibility to, to tell them every lash yes. on your eyeball yes. where you got it from. Yes. And it's like, you know I can post a picture and not tag a thing, right? Like right. it's, I am not where your personal you? shopper. Jesus I am not Christ. your stylist. I am not none of that. So please, like the entitlement that comes with going viral, that's another dark side of it. It's like, right. wow, people really think I owe them a lot more than just my work. Yes. And I don't. Right. Which and also transfers right. over to the next part because going viral, we can't, like we, we definitely can't ignore the fact that going viral and like the internet and our popularity on social media has helped our careers. Yes. It has definitely helped our careers. That Absolutely. is definitely a privilege of having a big audience. We do not, we're not blind to that, right. like, for sure. I think when we were talking about having to hit certain numbers or, like, wanting women to not feel like they have to hit certain numbers to feel validated, it's so funny because it struck a chord with me not with the looks part, but with the work part. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of media companies, definitely, especially in a certain era when Twitter was, like, at its peak, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Twitter's still, you know, out there. I'm just saying that, like, when it was becoming very apparent that website homepages were no longer where people were getting their most news from. Nobody yeah. was typing in BuzzFeed.com yeah. or HuffPo.com. They were looking at the Twitter news line, and that's where they were getting their news from. Yep. So then it became like, how do we get 
our story's attentions on Twitter or on social media. And then it became, if your stories are not going viral or they're not hitting certain numbers, they're not good. They don't matter. They're not good enough. And that's the thing that hits from at least my perspective of like going viral for work that was hard for me because I definitely have worked places where it's all about quotas. It's all about how many views something gets. And it's like, I'm not posting a selfie I'm writing about an issue that matters to me. Mm-hmm. And definitely to your point about talking about black women less or whatever like that, I've always been very passionate about writing about black issues, black culture. Oh, my lens is always going to be about black culture because I feel like there's not enough. And also, I'm tired of other races writing about our stuff. Like, we need to take ownership over our narratives. That automatically is not going to do as well as if I'm talking about white artists or white issues or whatever else because A, they outnumber us just from like a statistical point but then also like to get the black audience on any type of platform it takes trust it takes building we are like there's a lot of things that come along with it Mm -hmm. so having to deal with like this new rubric of like my work it almost felt like it was like oh when you would get graded in school and as a perfectionist in type A it would drive me crazy Mm -hmm. that like what I had to attain my value to was how many people would read or click something and not, was it well reported? Was it researched thoroughly? Were the quotes good? You know what I mean? Did it make a difference? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, at least on my end, it really gets tricky in media um, and how much emphasis we put on going viral for Yo, work. When I was a digital producer at Hot 97, the quota was important. That was it. Yeah, that's number quota. one. Your quota, your numbers were important. The praise that you get was based on the numbers, not based on the quality of work, but Mm -hmm. it was the numbers that you got. Exactly. So whatever it was that people were talking about, I had to become a slave to that and post it because that is what people were talking about. Right. You can't change the direction. You can't, you know, try to switch the narrative. Nope. We're talking about this. Post this. Mm -hmm. So that was it. It literally was clickbait that had to be like the headline was it. It doesn't matter if they're reading the story. It doesn't matter, you know, if they checked out, you know, uh, to the bottom of the page. (laughs) As long as they click that title Mm. on Twitter, Mm -hmm. that is all that mattered. Even the retweets, you know, because you could post the story. They won't read the story, but it was enough Mm -hmm. that the headline said what it said. Mm. You're competing with, like, it's like, oh, I'm just throwing out. I never worked at Hot 97. But like, oh, Mary J. Blige opened up about the abuse that she experienced in no. her life. Oh, well, you know, such and such you, said something funny. And so we're going to value that over that. You couldn't even post about black people doing well in something. Right? So let's say Mary J. Blige opened up a coffee shop called No More <laughs> Drama. Right? Right. She should do that, though. Right. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> that would not do numbers. Right. So you would be like, ugh. All right, we got to search. Or you could say, oh, we could do it, but we got to post a really great picture of Mary J. Blige. Yeah, you had to think about, like, suddenly headlines, everything. Right. It was like, what cute, it was like we, we were driven crazy to oh, figure out ways to optimize to get people to click. And it's just, sometimes it really just takes a soul out of work. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping that the pendulum is swinging back to find some more balance. But that, to me, is definitely, like, one of the negative ways in which going viral changed my career or like the importance of it Mm -hmm. we also as millennials are kind of on the cusp of like my first instagram popped up in my senior year of college twitter popped up like i I think i joined twitter in 2010 i was halfway through college at that point Mm -hmm. so never when i was in high school dreaming of being this person did i think that i would have to think about these things that was like a switch for us and i think now for gen z it's going to be easier because they just are coming and knowing that's the game Mm -hmm. but we had to learn a new game in the middle of the dreams that we had and it was just it made it a whole lot more complicated i think in a way and we built it we built this we did yeah you see this you see this you see all this you see all this we created we created this (laughs) but i do want to talk a bit about like the positive parts of going viral and how it's changed our careers because we like you know and things on a good note yeah but i think for me I can easily say that one of the reasons I love Twitter and why Twitter will always be my favorite platform <laughs> is because it really helped me gain confidence in my writing voice. Sometimes especially as a black woman when your voice is not heard in the boardroom or in this room or whatever and you have to constantly try to prove yourself, Twitter in a lot of ways gives gave me receipts right to back up right because my word wouldn't be enough. That's it should be absolutely enough. Absolutely nuts. But it like it's like you see, oh, I want to write a story about this. I don't know how well it's going to do. Let me like, and I'll, a lot of times I'll tweet things 
as like a tester. Like a feeler. Like a feeler. Like, yeah. ah, you know, this thought has been in my mind. I wonder how people react to it. It goes viral. Okay, can I write about it now? Oh, dang, you were right. I guess people are interested in that. Why was my Why can't you trust why was my, my voice? choice? My voice. Right. I got one of y'all little Ivy League degrees that y'all wanted me to have so exactly. badly, in addition to my HBCU one. And I and still, that's still not enough. And that's not enough? Okay. I would I wish I could have saved me the, the 90 grand, but whatever. <laughs> but like, it's really, I will say that the good side of it is that it helped me see that there are people who identify with me in my unique voice, my unique writing style, my jokes or my humor, my fears, my insecurities, like just all the ways in which Twitter helps people see who feel seen mm-hmm. and represented. I wouldn't have known that there were so many people who felt represented by me or seen by me if it wasn't for Twitter. Yeah. And I think also it helped me open up to be more vulnerable mm-hmm. because I didn't realize the importance of it. RT everything you said. One hundred percent. I just I believe in the power of language. Mm, so mm-hmm. you know, I words mean things. Words mean things. Mm. And somewhere somebody took something and applied that to themselves to make themselves better, you know, or or create something or do something that they've been trying to do for a very long time, but they never they never took that step. Twitter, Instagram is really that place for some people. You know, you empowered me to do this. Yeah, that that is the biggest thing. I think it's really cool to, like, I was watching the VMAs yesterday. The fact that Ashanti is there mm-hmm. is because of social media. True. Because them VMAs people don't really know the power of Ashanti and what she's done. It's because of the relevance of social media and her going viral is because she's there at the VMAs. Yeah. So things like that, I'm like, yes, I don't care how she get her flowers, give it to her. Because they owed it to her. And it's like, they owed it. Like, because there's a time limit. It's like, yes, during Always on Time, Ashanti would have, of course, gotten invited, but we're a decade plus removed from that, which makes me feel old. And that's why Versus was so beautiful, exactly. too, because it was giving people viral moments to come back into relevance to get money in their pockets. Right. And that's the, that is the right. positive part Ron about Isley it. Isley is out here working. Eating. You eating. Hey, we got a tiny desk. Of the Isley Brothers. Isley, never thought I'd never see today. Never would have. Never, <laughs> never thought I'd see today. Never would have if it wasn't for the viral moment with the verses. So exactly. that kind of stuff, those moments mm-hmm. is what I love to see. So, yeah, that's that's the positive with everything. Mm-hmm. Just hoping that everybody gets their flowers or goes out and gets their own. So I have a question for you then. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick... Mm-hmm. Would you keep it or do away with the whole concept of going viral? Like, if you had the power. I would keep it, but throw these niggas into therapy. <laughs> no, that was an option. I don't care. <laughs> Listen, but no, I agree. I would not get rid of going viral. Even with all the negative that comes with it, I think the positive does outweigh it. I think it's really just a matter of, like, if you go viral, how do you, like, just keep your heart three stacks. Don't it's gonna be hard. Keep your to heart. Keep your heart. Because I'm telling you. you people lose themselves on the internet mm-hmm. every day. And I think the number one way in which I have grounded myself is to make sure you have a life offline. Make sure you have people who love you and that you are surround yourself with offline, people who can remind you this is not it doesn't it feel because it can feel like the biggest deal in the world if all you're on a screen all day. Mm-hmm. Take a step away. Put the phone down. Go to the park. Take a walk. Do something. Go spend time with your family. Go to dinner. Like, put your phones down. Feel, touch, and, like, agree with people in real life. Connect with people so that you can remind yourself that while the internet is there and vast, huge, and scary, you have a life outside of it that you have built for yourself. Don't stop building it. Please don't forget that. Absolutely. Because that balance is necessary. Please. You'll need it. That's beautiful. That's great. 100%. All right. Well, that's our show. Thank you all for tuning in. Our show is a production of Pineapple Street Studios in partnership with Netflix and Strong Black Lead. Shout out to our team. Our editor (laughs) is Jess Jupiter and our producer is Taylor Hosking. Our music is by Amanda Jones. Special thanks to Max Linsky and Jenna Weiss-Berman. Make sure you share your thoughts with us on the episode using the hashtag OKNowListen. Follow Strong Black Lead on the socials at Strong Black Lead. And follow us too. I'm at Sylvia Obell. And I'm at Scotty Bean. Until next time, folks, stay blessed. Bye. We did it. We did it. We 
Oh, shit. That's what I didn't want to talk about. My man, Steve. Oh, my God. Y'all really was just in your <sighs> feelings over that white man coming back for y'all. Here's the thing. I didn't know Steve left. <laughs> but I said, Steve left? When Steve left? But also, there's something <laughs> is to say about... These people that can touch you, like can talk, that sounds like physical touch. It's very weird. Mm. When Steve is talking, mm. I feel like he was brushing, like a Tabitha. How are you talking like this to me where I am crying I don't fucking know you? Asmar? Asmar. Yeah. Like some people just have like aesthetically pleasing voices. Asmar? She said, she said Asmar. She did. And you Asmar? know, you see I picked it up without Asmar. even hesitation. I was like, Asmar, yes. That's why, it. Why is <laughs> 